It all begins with this gate drop. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Power to the Ground podcast, your home for everything motocross, supercross, and dirt bike related. Wherever you are listening to this, make sure you subscribe so you get notified every time we upload a new show. Don't forget to visit our website, www.powerthenumber2theground.com. Check out for merch, giveaways, and exclusive web content. Also, make sure you're signing up for the Jug Club. Get on that right now uh, before the price goes up. Just saying. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm Steve, joined as always by Jesse. What's going on, Jesse? I'm doing pretty good. So uh, before we get into today's episode, (laughs) it sounds a little bit better than how I'm... Yeah, you sound like you're still in like a Key West hangover right now. I don't know that I will ever come out of a Key West hangover. Um, So before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk a little bit. um, You guys know that we've been talking about the coverage and the media Uh, We're trying to come up with a slogan for the podcast, and uh, it's important to us to have a, you know, some kind of catchphrase slogan kind of a thing that represents what we are trying to do for um, the media in this sport. So uh, we have a little bit of an idea. We want your guys' help with it. Jesse, why don't you explain how that's going to work? Yeah, so uh, we're going to do this kind of tournament style almost. Uh, There's a post up. It's a poll on uh, Facebook right now. You can go over there. There's one orange, one green. There are two different taglines on there, and we just want to see which one you guys like better. Um, to uh, what we're trying to do is come up with a a line that concisely um, tells a story of what we're trying to do here, and uh, it, we'd just like to get your your input. So if you want to jump over to our Facebook page, you can vote on that. And if you have any suggestions, please drop them in the comment section and uh yeah so what we're gonna do is going forward we're gonna take the winner of this one and we're gonna come up with another one for next week i believe or you guys can or you guys can come some, up with some a new suggestions one. in the comments yeah and if it's something that we think is is uh worthy and in throwing into the tournament we will uh we'll pit it against the winner of this week and then uh yeah we can go from there and figure out which one works best so on that theme, let's start where we always start and talk a little bit about how just god-awful the coverage is for this sport. Oh my goodness. It was it was particularly bad uh, for a few other reasons than just the commentators yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Ricky was his usual self. Ralph was just mailing it in as always. I don't even think they try anymore. Um, but when you have a race that is more or less decided as far as the winner goes... Um, I get it. Y- you know, you're like, well, they're not going to be fighting for the lead. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit less excitement, but that is their job as a broadcast team to keep things interesting. And a particular writer in the 450s, Mr. Uh, Justin Barsha, uh, was making a lot of moves at the end and they didn't mention him or show any of his passes. Right. Yeah. He went from in like the last six minutes, of, six minutes of the race for one, he was going through traffic and riding faster than the leader. Yep. Um, and he went from like ninth to fourth. And uh, Roxon made a few passes Yep. Um, after he fell to get back up into the podium that we did not see. Didn't see. And they're sitting there talking about a guy's diet, 
or his practice regimen, which really just consisted of putting in laps because that's all they ever talk about when they talk about guys practicing. Um, It was just particularly bad. It was like everybody in the broadcast booth just completely mailed it in yesterday. Yeah, and it it doesn't really make sense to me because this sport in particular, look, if there's a football game and there's there's like a 40-point difference at halftime and there's no chance of, of that game changing, you've only got two teams to talk about. Right. There's one game, two teams... That's it. When the game is decided, the game is decided. In this, look, if the battle for first isn't relevant anymore, you've still got 22 other ri- or 21 other riders on the track that you can talk about. And chances are that there is going to be a battle for a position somewhere on the track pretty much at every moment during the race. So they, they spent a lot of time talking about Malcolm Stewart because Bubba was in the house. Yep. Um, and he had a great race for the most part and then started getting shuffled back at the end didn't mention it at all like you guys made a point to highlight this guy right before the race and at the beginning of the race but when he started getting shuffled back you're still talking about how interesting it's going to be to see this moving <laughs> forward or that moving forward yeah and it's like make up your minds man you have to keep this interesting you have to keep it compelling even if tomac is kind of running away with it right yeah, it was almost like they were embarrassed that they highlighted him so much that he got shuffled <laughs> back. They were like, let's just pretend like it's not happening. So, um, yeah, not going to go go too crazy talking about the broadcast. They really, really need to get their act together. Keep it compelling. Keep it interesting. And for the love of God, find new ticks. Because if I hear them say interesting, it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what's going to be really interesting. I, I swear, Maybe it's driving me crazy. Maybe they did get feedback that they need to make it more interesting, and that is their way. (laughs) They're like, I know how to make it more interesting. We're going to say interesting interesting. nonstop. (laughs) We're going to start to keep a tally. Let's just start keeping a tally. Because I I thought about it while watching the broadcast, especially the the replays this morning. And uh, I just like, I I almost wanted to break out a notebook and just start ticking off how many times they said interesting. I just feel like my pen would have run out of ink. Yeah, I I mean there's a couple of, there's a couple of trackers, but I think that's probably the best one to start with. We should do an interesting tracker. An interesting tracker because it was just it was so so obvious yesterday that they just weren't even trying anymore. Right. And Ricky is normally the one that leads the way with uh, it's going to be interesting comments. Oh, Ralph was right there with Ralph him. Ralph was with him this week, man. He hopped on that interesting bandwagon. He did. He was, they were just in it to make it interesting. <laughs> the other thing Ralph did, so normally we were picking on Ricky. I got to get on Ralph, too. So first of all, I think Ralph is the biggest issue with the broadcast. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's even trying anymore. He might have been good at some point. I know a lot of people are fans of him and his voice and how he calls it. He's got that kind of like familiar, you just know when you hear Ralph's voice, super cross racing, right? right. I get it i understand he is not trying anymore and he 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 so pulled uh it was uh he was talking i forget what rider he was talking about he's like oh he's a little uh he's a little bit bigger than most riders he's five foot ten in terms of height (laughs) and i was like come on man (laughs) just like like, what did you say so so the the analogy that the analogy made. was uh was when when uh our beloved leader was talking about uh the hurricanes and he's like it's gonna be one of the wettest hurricanes ever in terms of water <laughs> <laughs> that's the first because it's exactly what he did he's five ten in terms of height like no dude I thought you were talking about five tens in, in terms of waistline of weight, right <laughs> five ten in terms of weight five hundred ten pounds yeah that's a big dude are we including the bike in that <laughs> it was so bad. 
Uh, and that was just one example. You know what? Let's just next time I'm just gonna start making notes and forget the races. I'm just gonna start making notes about all the really ridiculous dumb stuff that these guys say yeah. on the broadcast. We gotta make a Twitter account. Uh, yeah, we'll do. We'll do. But just... What was the one that we used to follow? Uh, things Phil Sim says or yes. something like that because Phil was notorious for that for saying football. just dumb stuff. It was so bad. Um, but anyway, we all know they need to get better on the broadcast, but we're going to continue hammering them until they make improvements, um, until you guys you know, jump on the board with us and forcing them to make improvements to make this more interesting because it's getting to the point where it's tough to – I don't want to watch. If the race is already decided, more or less, the only reason I watch at that point is, one, because I have a podcast to do, and two, because maybe somebody falls. Maybe. But that's it. That's not a good reason to watch this sport. You have to keep it interesting and compelling. Yeah, you you definitely do. And the fact of the matter is most people who watch the sport have a favorite rider. And chances are their favorite rider is not up front. You know, uh, there's going through the list here. There's a lot of, I'm sure there are a lot of Tomac fans out there. No doubt. I'm sure there are a lot of Roxon fans. I'm sure there are a lot of Web fans. They're, they're up front there. But I'm a Barsha fan. He was in fourth. He was shuffled way back in the pack. I would have loved to have watched some some Barsha coverage. Yeah, considering he made five passes in the last five minutes of the race. Right. I know there are some El Hombre fans out there. Jason Anderson, even though I think he's mailed it in since he won his championship. Agreed. Um, you know he what? He did charge a little bit harder towards the end yesterday, and I think he ended up going down or off the track right before the finish line. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of Justin Brayton there fans out there. I know people have been following him in his international tours for the past couple of years and love the fact that he's back in it. There are a lot of riders on here. There's a lot of fans who have favorite riders who are outside of the top three. There's no excuse. Even, even if the race is decided, there's no excuse to not focus on the other riders who are on the track. We talked about, they should have uh what we call it? The pass zone kind of yeah. like the NFL's red, the zone. red zone because the amount of times that they were talking about completely irrelevant stuff and showing a completely irrelevant rider to what was going on while other riders were making passes. Like, it is the producers or somebody in the booth's job to watch that and go, hey, cut to this camera because there's a pass about to happen. Right. Hey, cut to this camera. There's a pass about to happen. So, like, you know, some kind of pass zone where, like, they have just multiple cameras and every time somebody's making or about to make a pass, they cut to that. Yeah. Like, if they if they get within one second of the person in front of them, then, boom, you cut to that part. But that's here's the sad part is that's how you should cover this sport anyway. There shouldn't be a separate pass there zone. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is not football, you know, where right. you're having to track, like, you know, if you're a fantasy fan, you're tracking multiple multiple games you know even if even if you just put it in um uh in like they they do a split screen every once in a while where they just show the little thumbnail in the bottom right corner even if you did that it said like pass cam or something like that right perfect pass cam i like that Boom. pass cam let's make it happen. hey if you're listening supercross we know somebody out there has been listening because we've been <laughs> catching some of our suggestions in your broadcast but yeah um take that one all right, so that's the broadcast stuff for this week. Again, we are going to um, continue to hammer them, uh, force them to improve. But the track itself is uh, really short. Like we talked about last, how short last week's track was. This one was even shorter. Like yeah. This was a really short track, but I really, really liked this track. Yeah, it was 
for for lack of a better term, it was an interesting track, Steve. <laughs> so uh, there was a lot of, I, I don't know if some of you, I get the feeling that some of you um, maybe don't watch the races every single weekend. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to paint a mental picture. I'm going to Bob Ross this in your mind right now. So this track had a lot of different textures to it. Um, there was a sand section. There was different kinds of dirt throughout um, throughout the track. In almost all of the turns, not only did they have dirt, they also had crushed seashells in the turns to maximize the amount of traction that you had coming out of the out of the turns. And that was in the 90s and the 180s. So they did they did a lot just in terms of the um, the terrain that these riders were on to make this track um, uh, dynamic. Sure. Um, and it was more than it was it was more than just the jumps and more than just what they've been basically doing for the rest of the season, which is the dynamic of the track is based on the amount of whoops section there is right there was only one whoop <laughs> section it was just before the finish line and that was a perfect place for it to it be it was great yep. I, I i really liked the layout uh i loved the split lane yep in the sand section um and it became clear and i i i pointed it out i told you kind of beginning early on like the heat races um what i saw and that was uh going on the inside going into the sand section you lost some momentum and you had to kind of struggle through that lane, but you were able to carry so much more speed coming around the outside that that was far and away the faster line to take. Right. If you didn't screw up that, that rhythm section in the sand. Right. Um, a lot of riders didn't pick up on that either early on or at all. And the riders that did end up picking up on it excelled and they kind of, kind of saw it. You were able to make a pass by going on the inside to going into it, even if you were behind by the time you carried your momentum around the outside after the sand section, you had so much speed that there was nothing that the rider you were passing could do about it. You just you just flew through the next rhythm section and usually made the pass. Yeah. Um, I thought that was really awesome because it it's so counter to what you would think. You'd think outside rhythm section inside, inside. so that you're on the inside coming out of the sand section. Dude, that rut that on that inside of that sand section it was, was stop, not just slowing momentum. It was stopping riders dead in the tracks. Yeah. And that's not even including if you get stuck behind somebody and you're just picking sand out of your teeth for the rest of the night after that. It was, it was brutal because it was incredibly loose sand too. Yep. It wasn't like, you know, you see it like Southwick, they call Southwick a sand, sand track. And it absolutely is. Right. There's some, loose sections but for the most part it looks you know like a little bit of a looser track no 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 this was like this is beach sand beach sand yeah <laughs> it was it was crazy how many lines there were just in the two split lanes alone yeah and how deep those ruts got in fact it was so loose you pointed that out coming on that on the outside out of the sand section um it was so loose that by the end of the night there wasn't any sand left on the outside because it was all kicked over to other parts of the track. <laughs> right, so it was exactly. just dirty, which is probably another reason why it continued to be the faster line. You right, were able to carry so much more speed. Yeah, I mean, what's what's a better way to excel through a sand section than go through the part that doesn't have any sand in it? <laughs> um, a lot of interesting things happening in the sand section. Riders going off the track, riders going down. Um, awesome passes being made. Um, Jeremy Martin, I think at one point was going 
kind of doing the best of both worlds where he'd go outside going in to carry his momentum through the rhythm section and then cut back to the outside at the end of the section. Right. Um, I don't think that was faster than any of the other two lines, but it was definitely an interesting tactic that he tried. And I think that's what that section of the track promoted was trying different things. Yeah. Cause it, it, that, I think that was the only spot in that sand section that really gave an opportunity to change from one line to the next. And what he did there was he, the guy who was behind him, who was behind him at that point? Was it Marchbanks? It was Marchbanks, yeah. So Marchbanks, um, you, you, because you had to make that choice to either go um, outside, inside, or inside, outside, if you made the choice to go um, outside, inside, then you got stuck behind Jeremy, behind Jeremy Martin. If you made the choice to go inside outside, then he cut he, you off. He cut you off and took away your line. Right. So and yeah. he, so you, you know by slowing down there, you lose the advantage that you had taking that line in the first place. Right. So, um, yeah, enjoyable track. Lap traffic wasn't too big of an issue um, yesterday, like it was last week, where it was just they were into lap traffic like three minutes into the right. race. Um, so even though it was a shorter track, um, the thing about a track like that is. It seemed to. It seemed to just separate people faster, and I know there was groups. So it was I'm, groups. I'm not, I'm not was talking strange. about the groupings, right? There was definitely groupings of people, but the the time between those groups um, was really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's all right. Let's it's, just say my phone just rang, and I guess I I thought I ignored it, and I answered it, and I heard somebody go hello. <laughs> so. Yeah, the um, it separated people quicker. It, sep- is what I was it, sep- to say. it did separate people qu- quicker because all of a sudden it was like after the first lap there was there was seconds in between people already, um, but t- towards the end of the the mains, what ended up happening was the groups would be like twenty seconds apart, but so like first and third, first and third. Um, we'll talk about the 450s. First and third, there's like a seven-second difference. No, no, no. I'm sorry. 250s. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there was like a first and third, there was like a seven-second difference. And then you had a, a, a big drop-off. And then it was like fourth through like 11th. There was like a 10-second difference. Yeah. it was Everybody was still really close together. Right. I think that – so here's my theory. I think the groupings like that, the 4 through 11 being 10 seconds apart, is a result of the short, how short the track was. And I think where you saw the gaps was more of a result of the layout and the nature of the track. Yeah. So it was kind of the two fighting against each other. So you had like, you know, separating the better riders faster and then the rest of the riders grouping up because it was such a short track. Yeah. All right. So we got a suggestion on, uh, on Facebook this week to talk about um, who was, how these tracks favor particular riders. Who do you think 250, well, let's let's just go with 450. Yeah, it was our first look at the 250 E, so there's a lot to feel out with these, right. these younger riders. Yeah, it was like trying to make a championship prediction based off of Anaheim 1. Right. Um, so 450s, who do you think, um, who do you think made a, or who do you think had an advantage on this track based off of their style? 
So this this track is a little bit tougher to do than some of the other ones we've talked about, right? Like so, last week there was that double whoop section back to back after the 180. Um, that favors riders like Tomac and Roxon, who are normally able to just fly through whoop sections. This one's tough because there are so many different sections. The sand sections, Tomac favors Tomac. He's just so good in sand and outdoor type uh, uh, environments. Um, and he always thrives in Florida. I actually said that before the races start, and I was like, we are in Florida. Actually, that was part of my prediction last week. I was like, we're in Florida. I know it's not Daytona, but we're in Florida. Tomac does great there. Um, so I think the things like the sand sections favored a rider like Tomac, who's very good at powering through tough sections um, with his speed. I would say that uh, the whoops at the end of the track favor a rider like Roxon, um, and maybe even a little bit of Webb when he can figure out the whoops. So it's tough with a track like this because you said yourself the amount of different types of terrain and layouts that this track has that I don't know that it favored a particular rider. It was going to be who had the better start and who can handle that sand section better. I agree. And the winner was the one who handled the sand section better than anybody. Yep. So, um, I don't know if you agree, like you said, so you agree. I don't know if there's any other thoughts you had on like, you know, other sections of the track that you think favored someone like Webb or, and I, yeah, I agree. No, I think, no, it was pretty... I think the, just like, just like last week where there, there was basically one turn on the track last week that determined the entire outcome of the race. Um, the sand section was that for, for this, uh, for this week. So, um, the, the riders that, well, I'm sorry. I can't say that the riders that got good starts ended up where they ended up. So, um, so there was, there was definitely a balance between your start and how you handled the sand section. Right. Um, it, the, the start the, was very important, but it wasn't quite as important as we've seen in past weeks. Right. Um, but what you did see was if you got a good start and handled the sand section, then you just won the race. Right. Two riders did that. Two riders <laughs> did that. Uh, Shane McElrath and Eli Tomac. Eli Tomac. I thought um, a track like that also favors veterans who are who can handle different types of terrain. So you saw riders like Tomac, who's been around for a while, Roxon, who's been around for Although Roxon did go down, and, and we'll obviously talk about him a little bit more later. Um, Ciancerulo, a guy who's just... Yeah, he's been riding his whole life, so obviously. But we're talking about rookies in the 450 class. This right. is the first time he's had to ride. You know, this is the first time he's made it this far into a season and still be riding because he's used to have half seasons. Right. Um, he clearly could not handle some of those more technical, mentally challenging parts of the track. Um, so I think that kind of shown, too, a track like that definitely favors veteran riders who have a lot of confidence. Yeah. And Sancy Rule ended up, ended up going down, I think, and that was a big part of it. And even when he got past, um, you know, he kind of screwed up in the sand a little bit. And he actually, it was a few times he messed up and it was all in the sand every <laughs> time he did. And then, you know, getting sideways in the whoops yep. was just a very sense rule thing to do this season. Getting jiggy in the whoops. So. All right. You want to jump into the uh, 250 results? Yeah. So it was our first look at the uh, 250 East. And um, I think we're going to have a pretty good pretty good little 250 east season I agree. going on I, I don't know that it's going to be quite as tight as what we are seeing in the west because unless somebody steps up and knocks him off if McElrath raises anywhere as close to as solid as he did last night nobody's touching him yeah this is one of the things that they were talking about though is McElrath starts seasons like this 
He's uh, this is like the third year in a row. I think he's so he's the two fifty Barsha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. So, oh, they're both riding on blue. Look at that. Um, no, and again, it's tough. I'm not going to make a full season prediction based off of one race, but if I had to, it'd be tough to not put your money on McElrath the way he rode. He like he was not challenged at any point, both no. in the heat and the main event last. No, night. no, he was not. Um, yeah, so our we'll go down to top six, okay? Because I think that's relevant. So we had Shane McElrath number one. Um, and obviously these correspond to the point standings because there is only one race in the books. Correct. So Shane McElrath at number one. We had Chase Sexton, the defending champion, at number two. It was a solid ride for solid Chase, ride. I thought. You know, um, he had trouble with his starts a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is why I don't think he really got a chance to get up and mix it up with McElrath. Um, McElrath pulled away pretty quick too, though. So he did. even if he did get a good start, it would have been tough for, to you know. I think it would have been tough to stick with him anyway. Yep. Um, then we have the, the, the greatest comeback. story. Seriously. <laughs> we've seen in a while. Jeremy Martin, who I didn't think was ever going to walk again after seeing his his crash a couple of years ago. He made the podium, man. That was, was incredible. And, that, you know, let's be honest. There's a good chance he finishes second if his conditioning was on point. But right. when, you're out of, when you're out of the sport, you know, they talk about the difference between practice speed and practice conditioning and, like, game day or race day speed and conditioning. Um, he, he, he looked great. He, looked, he did not look uh, tentative to me. He looked like he was attacking at the track. He was getting after it. it just, I think he just ran out of steam, <laughs> you know, and he's been a while since he's been in one of these. And yeah. He might have just ran out of steam a little bit. But a, a, a third place in his first race back is That's crazy. so great for him. So yeah. good for him. Definitely a, a, a phenomenal story. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, Ken Roxon-esque. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Then in uh, number fourth, we got the kid, uh, Garrett Marchbanks, the 18-year-old riding on Kawasaki. And his teammate finished right behind him, Jordan Smith. They had a little bit of a back and forth going on for they a did. lot of the night too, which I think was really interesting, fun to see. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Interesting, interesting, fun interesting, to see. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> they got in my head. Man. I know. They got in stuck. my head. I can't do it. I can't get away from it now. Um, then at the number six spot, and this is why I wanted to end here, we had R.J. Hampshire, who very, very likely should have been on the podium. Yeah. Uh, if R.J. Hampshire got a good start. And was riding up front with uh, um, with any of these guys. And by good start, I mean, I, I, I can't. All right. Supercross, again, they are terrible with their official results. So I have no official results. I don't have partial results like I had a few weeks ago when they screwed it up. I have no official results. So Hampshire, I do remember, started pretty far back in the pack. I think so. I'm pretty sure he started outside of the top 10. It was close to that at least, yeah. So he finished. He ended up finishing sixth. He made his way up to fourth and looked like he was going to catch Jeremy oh, Martin. It, he was going. So he was two seconds behind, and there was like a minute left in the race. Yeah. But he was going so much faster than everybody else. There was no doubt in my mind he was podi- He was at least on the podium right. had he not gone down. And then he he went down. And he dropped back quite a few spots, and uh, that's really at where he ended up finishing. Um, so yeah, the the results for him definitely do not. Uh, reflect his performance because he was he had their start was rough but he rode solid all night and he was probably for me besides the fall the second best rider on the track last night yeah and at times possibly the best rider on the track especially considering the fact that he's riding through traffic right 
So, um, yeah, that's those are really our relevant names. I mean, we had the only one other one that I would want to mention is Jimmy Dakotis, and the only reason I want to mention him is because he rides a yellow bike, and <laughs> yellow bikes are just rare. They're and like he's from our area. So he's from our he's from our local area. guy for yeah. us. Yep. Local guy riding on a Sasquatch or a unicorn. <laughs> the Suzuki. The, the su- Suzuki. Suzuki. Is that, I don't know. I don't know what this bike is. I don't, I don't know, know either. Yeah. Um, no. So it was. It was. You know, good racing for the two fifties. Uh, definitely not. You know, a whole lot of stuff going on except for the RJ Hampshire stuff where he went all the way back, started back, went up, went back. You know. <laughs> um, yo if yo. He can, if he can stay on two wheels and ride like he did last night, though, he's going to be pushing. He's going to be fighting these other three guys for for championship points for sure. I agree. So I think that does it for our two fifties. Let's get into the big boys, the four fifties, right after we take a break. So the four fifties. Could have been a lot more interesting than what you got from the broadcast. Again, uh, the biggest the biggest thing about last night was that again because of the nature of the track, uh, the riders who got out front stayed out front. You know, um, besides Cianciarulo, but oh, and Ken Roxon and, and Cooper Webb they started they they started back. What what I'm talking about is. Eli and Shane McElrath started out front, oh, and there yeah, was really yeah. no gotcha. challenging them. Yes. So even when Eli was directly behind Cianciarulo, I had no doubt. I don't think you had any doubt about who was winning that battle of, for, for no, the two. No, it was just a matter of time. It was only a matter of time, and actually Eli probably spent a little too much time behind Cianciarulo. Well, it took um, him a while to figure out that inside-outside. The outside. line. And so that's that was Eli, I think, was the first one to consistently figure it out because we even saw after they had made that change— the next three or four riders behind them hadn't changed yet. Right. Uh, so Eli was sticking with Cianciarulo going outside, inside, outside, inside, outside. Finally, I think in his head, it wasn't even that it was faster. He just wanted to get out from behind Cianciarulo and see if he can make a pass. Right. He kind of gaffed in the rhythm section and still finished out that section, like right on Cianciarulo. And I think that was when it clicked for him. Wow. This is way faster. He did not go outside inside for the rest of the race. Yeah, he, he stayed, stayed in inside that outside. And in fact, the very next lap was when he made the pass. Inside outside, he used that momentum from the outside to go fly right by Cianciarulo, who had stopped in the inside rut, and that was it. He didn't look back. Yeah, I think Tomac made that change um, out of necessity. I don't think he, I don't think he just, it clicked for him. Maybe I should try outside cause it's faster. I think he was, he no, w- yeah, it was it, five, five laps in a row. He went into that, that turn in the sand section and just absolutely ate roost from Cianciarulo. And it, after five laps, he was probably like, I can't I, do this anymore. I've got to change this up because I'm going to be coughing up sand for the rest of the week. And, um, so this this track, what was happening in those five laps, this track is so short that every time Tomac would get up onto his rear and eat roost in that sand section, it would allow Cianciarulo to just open up just enough track where it would take Tomac until they got back to the sand section to catch back up to him. And then it just happened all over and again. And he was clearly faster, right? Yeah. Like Tomac had the pace last night over just about everybody right? Uh, for the majority of the race the majority of the race until like the last six minutes yeah at which point i think he knew he had a 10 you know 10 second lead and right. probably you know ease up a little bit um 
but it was definitely an, a, a thing of necessity. He needed to get out from behind Sancerulo, particularly in the sand. You're right. It's very likely for the roost. And I think, again, he messed up that rhythm because the problem with going inside-outside on that is that you lose your momentum for the rhythm in the sand. Like when, when you go outside, they're carrying their momentum through. They're carrying speed, so they don't get caught up in that sand right. so much. They're able to stay light on top of the sand. When you go inside, you lose that, so you really got to fight it. Yep. But if you can fight through it, I think Tomac realized that first time there's no sand out here. I can fly around this turn. And even after he made the pass the next lap, you, it took, I think, one or two more laps for Cianciarulo, who needs to stay on somebody's tail like that. He needs to be staying on Tomac to learn, to start immediately making that. He was like, oh, wow, that is way faster. Right. He started following Tomac, but they were so far ahead of everybody else. Nobody else made that change. No, no, nobody was even able to see them. Um, and it was it wasn't until later in later in the race when I started seeing um, I saw Barsha take that outside line. I saw um, Anderson take that outside line. I saw Baggett start taking that outside line. Um, Stewart never made the change. Stewart no. stayed inside the entire time. Yep, and I um, think that that is a big reason he got shuffled back towards the end. Yeah, he ended up in seventh, where he was he was sitting in second for a good part of this race. Third. 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 Yeah. Yeah, he was on the podium for a while. Yeah. And I thought I remember mentioning like how great would it be for him to make a podium after all this hype and his brother in the town and like and he got past I'm like, okay, a top five is somewhere he hasn't finished yet. That'll be great too. Like he can totally nail it and oh wait, why is he in sixth? Oh, he's in seventh now. Oh great. <laughs> it was just the poor dude got shuffled yeah. back. So it all happened so fast too. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the I mean, he's possibly the fastest guy in the whoops. He might be week in week out. Um, he and Ricky talks about it on the broadcast almost every week about how fast he is in the whoops, and it, it cannot be overstated how fast he actually is in the whoops. So I don't know what what it is for him in particular. To last night, it seemed like his conditioning. It seemed like he was he was in a flow, and then. Um, the second half of the race came and he just started getting shuffled back. Sure. Um, so you want to go through? Yeah, let's go here? through it. All right. So we got um, in first, your man. Eli. So I, I thought Tomac looked solid. Uh, he struggled a little bit in the whoops yesterday, which is kind of interesting because normally that's a section where he's really, really solid. Right. Um, and I want to point out right now is typically the point in the season when Eli – if he's going to go on a run, this is when he goes on the run, and I think it's because of the East Coast tracks. So we had Tampa last night. We had a Florida track. He finished first. Looked great. Guess where we're going next week? Or, I'm sorry, not next week. We're in Arlington. Uh, in two weeks? Soon. Daytona is coming soon. <laughs> Daytona is coming very soon, and if Eli doesn't win Daytona, it's only because he goes down. <laughs> exactly. You know, so Eli won last night. If he gets a win next week— I mean, you're talking about his ability to rattle off three, four, five wins in a row in this section of a season. He could significantly gap the rest of the competition just in the next three or four weeks. So Cooper and um, Ken really need to step their games up a little bit if they're going to keep him from just running away with this. Yeah. I feel like he's starting to get his momentum in his groove, and that's dangerous. Right. Yeah. He he cannot— he cannot be allowed if they want to keep this interesting he cannot be allowed to win another race for like at least 2 weeks yeah somebody's going to win next week and another it has person. to be either webb or roxon right 
Um, because I mean, he's got the red plate now. Yeah, he's got momentum, and they're in a section of the season he at, excels. At in. the very least, if he doesn't win next week, can Ken and Cooper need to finish in front of him. In front of him, for sure. So I, I, th- I that's obvious, but the reason we're harping on this right now is because Eli is a mo- he is by far the fastest rider out there. I'm sorry if you disagree with me. Anybody out you there, he is. he is the most talented rider out there. Um, he is by by all accounts, you cannot work harder than him. He just he puts, puts in, in in the work. work. So those things together mean that he is just he's the best rider out there. But the thing that he, especially because we're on indoors, the thing that everybody else has on to, well, not everybody, but some of these other riders have on Tomac is that mental game. There is a mental game in Supercross playing against Eli. And it's it is Eli riding against Eli. It is his Achilles heel. And if he is allowed to get out in front of himself and and ride his race, everybody is in trouble. So um the reason we're harping on this is because in order to beat him, you're not going to just beat him on pure racing talent. You have to get in his mind. And keep him have. from getting into his groove. Keeping him, keep him from getting into his like six, seven race wins right. in a row. Because if he does that, you're not. And here's the thing: you're harping on it. I'm not. I want to see it. I want to see Eli win every race for the rest of the season and just dominate. So I can finally <laughs> put to rest this: is he, is he not one of the best ever? I think he is and has the potential to be. I just keep. I don't have anything to back it up until he wins one. Right. So. Uh, you put you're absolutely right. The only way to stop him from running away from this with this thing now, and it's weird to be, say like he only has like what a six point lead, four point, the, four point lead in the standings right now. It's weird to say that he could run away with it with, but you know what he's capable of when he gets his mind right. Yeah, and is starting to get his mind right. Yeah. So the um the point standings. This is an interesting point. Um. I can't really look at the the average finish because they didn't release it this week. Thanks, but, guys. Um, I I really do think when they changed the point system to the twenty to twenty six for um, I actually do think this may have fixed the points issue because whereas Tomac does not have the best average finish out of the whole pack, um, he's the points leader because he has the most. Wins. Wins. And for me, that's how it should be. Yeah. Your average finish shouldn't be the only thing that dictates whether or not you are the champion. I think winning is harder than finishing third. Right. So you should get rewarded if you have more wins than everybody else. And I think that's what's happening. I I completely agree. I think the standings right now, uh, based on what I've seen for this entire season, are exactly where they should be. Yeah. Uh, Tomac and Ken within four points of each other because they have been within a place of each other this entire season, and Webb is now creeping up because Webb has started creeping up. Right. Speaking of, the guy who finished second. Cooper Webb. Cooper Webb. Uh, He is... Last week was the, if you don't do this, you're not going to be in the championship, and he proved that, you know, he took the win. Um he needed to follow it up last night too, so that we knew it wasn't just a fluky win. Yep, he did. He did. He, it was he, a good, he did. solid ride for him. Good, solid ride. Um, unfortunately, we didn't really see much of him in the broadcast. 
<laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how he looked. I can't tell you how he handled the sand section or the if he looked great in the whoops. The few times we saw, he looked pretty solid in the whoops. Yep. Um, but we didn't see a whole lot of him. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and him and Roxon were were they like, were they were knotted right together to for that yeah. whole race. They followed each other right through the pack. Yep. Right through okay. the pack. And I think that is where, at this point in the season, you're going to see the gaps, right? Like, at this point, it is Tomek, Roxon, and Webb has wedged himself into that conversation, and then everybody, everybody else. else. And we remember last week, we talked about that. It was Tomac and Roxon and everybody else. Right. But Webb has fought his way back in, so good for him. But there is... They all three of them need to be finishing on the podium as much as possible with how tight this race race is. And to Webb and Roxon's credit, they fought through a rough start and finished on the podium. Yep. Yeah. So, um, that's and Roxon finished third. Obviously, uh, we did get a little bit of of uh, footage of Roxon going through. Um, Roxon just he looked like Roxon. He was he was. No? No, I don't think so. And and here's the thing. I started to bring it up last week, but I thought, you know, a one-race fluke is a one-race fluke. He looked like Roxon in the heat. Right? He's won like five straight heats, I think they said, yeah. or something like that. It's ridiculous. Uh, this is the second straight main event where I felt like Roxon just didn't look 100%. He didn't look bad. I'm not saying he's like Anderson level or like he's falling off like Barsha or anything like that. But the difference between like, we'll call it week two up until three races ago when he was like, is he better than Tomac right now level to the last two weeks where it's like, wow, uh, why isn't he fighting a little bit harder? Why isn't he pushing? He stayed behind um, Malcolm Stewart way, way too long. Um, he ended up obviously getting by him and obviously finishing third, but like Webb passed Stewart and just went. And then Roxon kind of hung back for a little bit. He struggled behind Stewart and he eventually passed him and caught back up. Um, I would say Roxon to me looks like he's at like eighty five percent right now, ninety. He's just not a hundred percent. I don't think. Don't think so. I, don't, I wonder if it's the ankle, the foot that he hasn't mentioned, but we know he was hurt was hurting him a few races ago, yeah. or um, maybe he's tired a little bit and he just needs to kind of. He's giving himself that mental break before he kind of makes another push, or or I don't know what it is, but for me, I feel like he looks like he's like ninety percent of what he was three weeks ago. Huh. I think he's just gone in the opposite direction of Tomac, whereas Tomac started off not knowing how to get a start at all, (laughs) and he's figured it out. Um, Roxon was the opposite. He kind of, he had his starts for the most part figured out early on in the season, and for the past couple of weeks, he just, he has started back right away. I think his start wasn't terrible, I thought, yesterday. He did go down, though. He did. He went down, but he was in like fourth place, I think. By the time he went down, he he had made his way up to fourth place. Again, I don't have the start. Yeah, I wonder. No, because uh, remember, he was he. I, I had made the point about our predictions. He was in second at one point. Yeah, behind uh, ahead of Webb when he went down. Right. He had made the pass on. But I think he started in like fourth. Either way, we don't have it in front of us. Thanks, Supercross. Um, but you are right. His starts haven't been asked. He's been, he was whole shotting like every week or at least damn close to it with yeah. Sanzarulo. Um, I wish I could just replay the race. I'm pretty sure he started pretty far back. Him and so, Webb started pretty far back. I know Webb did. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, but, uh, in, and that could be it, but 
Roxon is still one of those guys that when he starts off, let's call it sixth, even if it's back in sixth or seventh or whatever it is, he's still one of those guys that I expect to make those passes quick, efficiently, and get to the front fast because he has that ability. He is right. the next fast. To me, he's the next fastest rider on the track 99% of the time. Agreed. Um, and I just haven't seen that type of comeback speed from him. He didn't come back at all last week, and he did this week. It just took way longer than I expected him to. So credit to him, and he still looks good. He's absolutely still in the running. I'm not trying to say he's falling off that much. It just 10%. Like, he's like 90% to me right now. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Maybe that ankle did have something. Because you're right, there is maybe just a little bit of flair that he's missing. Yeah, yeah. That's, a that's probably fu- a good little fire. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be as fired up as he... Like, remember when he won that first race in how many years? Like, he was so fired up. There was nobody touching him that night. Yeah. Nobody. And he kind of carried that momentum through a few races. Yeah, maybe change the hair back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like the pink mohawk. <laughs> I think it's pretty Roxanne-esque. It's been, it's been since that week, though. You're right. You're right. Pink mohawk. Two weeks of the pink mohawk. Two weeks of uh, not quite Roxanne-esque. I mean, he finished on the podium last night. You can't give him too much crap. Yeah. I mean, two guys that finished in front of him. Those two guys he's fighting with for the championship. Start a campaign. Make make Roxanne's hair blonde again. <laughs> Who finished behind Roxanne? It was uh, Barsha, right? Was fourth. Yep, Barsha made his way up to fourth. Um, uh-huh. I I don't I don't know where he started because <laughs> honestly. I don't think they actually. I don't think he, they've actually focused. I don't think they actually focused the camera on Barsha at any point in the race last night. I think you're right, and I don't think they mentioned his name. Um, the only times that I saw him on the track is because it was such a tight track. I was able to see him in the background from one of the shots that they were taking of somebody else. Um, he, the when I really started to pay attention to him was he was in ninth place. It was like six minutes left in the race. There was about six minutes left in the race. Yeah, there was there was like four minutes. There was like five minutes left in the clock plus the two laps. And um, all of a sudden, I started seeing his... When I started paying attention to that, he was like 28 seconds back from Tomac. And all of a sudden, he was 27 seconds back. And then he made a move, and he was 26 seconds back, and he made a move, and then all of a sudden he's 25 seconds back. And uh, he ended up being like 23, 24 seconds back from the lead and um, fourth place. in fourth place. He went an absolute – for the last five minutes of that race, he went on an absolute tear. And we didn't see a single one of those passes. I think – so Barsha needs to get his starts figured back out again. Yeah. Um, that's been his biggest uh, hindrance. And I know I've basically written him off since he hasn't been able to get back on the podium since like the first couple of weeks. Um, he he had a spark yesterday. Yeah, and like that was a a well earned fourth place. Right, the way he was riding at the end. Well, he's he is. I think I talked about it when we were watching it. He's had this thing going on for the past um, few weeks, actually, where he's he's had a rough start. And he's been able to put it together for like the last, you know, quarter of the race where he just, he's, he seems to just make an, an absolute push for the finish line. Um, and he's, it seems, it seems like he's just completely out of it, but where he keeps finishing, I know every time you look at him, 
as far as like where he's at on the on the race because they're not talking about him they're not showing him you look down you're like oh where's Barsha oh he's an 11th it's totally over but then he ends up finishing in like fourth or fifth place and the fact of the matter is he's still 20 points back from Tomac in first so I do, if he can get the starts figured out and start ended up start ending up in the podium, then he can he could certainly he's within striking distance of making this interesting for at least Cooper and Roxon. And if Tomac goes down for one of these races, it's going to completely open this whole thing up. I think I need to see what Barsha looks like when he starts in the top four or five. Yeah, again, um, if he starts in the top four or five and then still finishes fourth or fifth or sixth. Um, then I'll just, you know, that's, that's Tom, uh, that's Barsha. Right. If he f- starts in the top five in podiums or fights for a win, finishes second, something like that. I'll, okay. But I just don't see him being in the same class as the other three riders right now. The three ahead of him, um, at this point in the season, he's just not, he's not riding like it. And even with rocks and I think being at 90% of himself is still, you put them head to head for me and I'm still taking rocks and 10 times out of 10 in that, in that situation. So, um, I do think he he flashed a little bit yesterday towards the end. Uh, it was a solid ride, but I have yet to have the desire to put any faith back <laughs> back in him to make this an in, to make this a four person championship. All right, fair point. So um, let's let's go through the point standings here because I think other than Tickle, who again he's on the what's it what's it called? It begins with an S. I think the color was Su- yellow. Su- Suzuki. 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 Yeah, something like that. Suzuki. It's a yellow yellow bike. It's I haven't seen bike. him in quite a while. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we had a comeback yesterday. It was a, it was a night of comebacks. Uh, Brock Tickle um, came back and was uh, um, he had an all right night. He he did Brock Tickle things. I mean, yeah. he pretty much raced where I expected him to. Um, for the most part, he didn't do anything flashy or exciting, but you know, he's also out of race form too. So if I'm going to give Jeremy Martin the benefit of that doubt, then I got, I got to give it to Brock Tickle too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he finished in 12th. So, so maybe if he's in race form, that turns into an eighth. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe solid top 10 rider and, and that Suzuki, it looked all right. Suzuki. Suzuki. So. Let's go to, let's see if I can get back to, don't break it. I'm not breaking it. All right. Yep. Here we go. We got the total points here. Let's go through the point standings. New points leader for the first time red since plate. Roxon took it from Marsha. Uh, yep. Tomac now has the red plate. Red what plate. Is that, 155 points. 155. Yep. So Tomac up front. will have the red plate going in the next week. And, uh, We'll see what happens with that. If if they can if they let him get out front, man, and start riding from the front, there's issues. Everybody's got issues. Yeah. Um, then then it becomes a story of well, who's gonna finish second? Right. Um, then we have four points back. Ken Roxon in the number two spot, um, and then we have uh, seven points back from Roxon. We have Cooper Webb. So here's the awesome thing about a four-point championship race and a three-person race um, for the championship is so Tomac finished first, Roxon, who was ahead of him, finished in third. So that's a six-point swing. Yep. 
um, from one direction to the other. What's amazing about that to me is all it takes is Roxon winning next week and Tomac finishing third. And I say third because you have to throw that third person in there. Cooper Webb is still going to be fighting for those podiums and those wins. But if Roxon finishes first and Tomac finishes third, well, that's a, literally just reverse those points. Right. And Roxon has the red number plate back. Now Cooper's creeping up even further and further into this whole race. And I just... It would be really fun to see, as much as I'm rooting for Tomac to just sweep the rest of the season. I know he's not going to. Um, then my next best option would be to see the red number plate just bounce between these three for the rest. Of, like every race, a different one of those three riders goes into the next race with a red number plate. Yeah. I think that'd be crazy because that's it's so close. That's all it takes is a first and a third, and suddenly someone else has got like, even a first and a second in a lot of, not next for next week, but in a lot of these cases, uh, Roxon could have finished second yesterday and still lost the red number plate. Right. So it's just, it's so tight. I want to just, the red number plate going back and forth would be really, really fun to see. And Barsha is only nine points back from Cooper. So I know I keep harping on Barsha, but Barsha is by no means out of this. If you invert the top four right now next week, if somehow Barsha gets a whole shot and gets out front and he wins next week, let's say for argument's sake, we invert the top four. So Barsha finishes first, yep. Cooper finishes second, Roxon finishes third, and Tomac finishes just off of the podium. Yep. Okay. That gives Barsha. Here, do some math here. <laughs> that gives Barsha um, 135 plus 26. Is 161. Okay. That gives Cooper 144 plus 23. 167. That gives Roxon 151 plus 21. I think it's just 20. 20. Is it not just 20? Yeah, it, I, think it's, I think you're right. I think it is 20. No. No. Is it 20 oh, no. or 21? <laughs> is it 20 or 21? It used to be 25, 23, 20. Yeah, it's only one point. No, it's two. So it it's is 21. Two. Yeah, I think it is 21. 21. Okay, so what what is it? One something plus 21? Um, 151 plus 21. <laughs> I can't put it. It just had such a brain for it. Okay. And then Eli Tomac is 151 plus... 155 155 plus 19 that one jumps down to 18 i know that six seven so if that's the case eli holds on to the number plate by, by one point um roxon is in second is in second with one like one point back cooper is four points no five six points back how we did this math wrong. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> My point is, if that inverts, it gets really close at that point. Yeah, suddenly Barsha is now only 11 points back at that point. Right. Um, roughly 11 roughly points 11. back. What is he now, 20 points back? Right I mean, now that's, he's... that's a pretty big swing, but I think that just shows you how much better Tomac and Roxon have been that they could finish third and fourth with Barsha winning that race and still right. you know, have an 11, 10, 12-point lead. But if if... Roxon and Tomac have a crappy night, which happens. It happens, it, especially at this point in the season with Tomac. I mean, he, yeah, let's be honest. He's, he's going to go on a tear. Or he's going <laughs> right. to start having his his poopy races. Right. Um. So so my point is for those top four, and then you have Sansurulo who falls back. He's he's seven points back from Barsha, so he's like tw he's twenty seven points back. I have an idea. 
Because you really, 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 really want Barsha to be in this conversation. And well, I really, really, really don't think he deserves to be, yeah. despite the point standings. I say we put it out at the poll and see what people think. Do you? The poll should just be, do you think Justin Barsha is still a championship contender for this season? Okay. And I would put money on the majority of people saying no. Because I think at this point they that those other three have separated themselves on the track. Justin set himself up solid in the points at the beginning of the season. For sure. And if you look at just the point standings, absolutely. 100%. He's still in the race. There's 20 points is nothing with as many races as there are left. Mm-hmm. But the eye test tells me he's not in that category anymore. He's not going to compete for this championship anymore. So I, and I'm willing to bet the this listeners, my wishful thinking. Is, <laughs> I'm willing to bet the listeners agree with me. That's absolutely fine. But you know what? My podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying you're even wrong for having that. I just, it's, it's, well, no, yeah, you are. You are absolutely wrong. That's fine. But I, you know what? I know I'm not the only Barsha fan out there. Sure. And this is, this just harps on another, on, on back to that broadcast thing. Yeah. You know, Barsha had a great night last night. I know he finished in fourth and. Um, if he had a better start, I don't. Based on how he was riding at the end of the race last night, I have no idea how last night would have turned out. Nobody does because it's a what if scenario. But the fact of the matter is that there are, I know for a fact, are a lot of Barsha fans out there that would have loved to see how, how well he was riding at the end of that race. That I agree with, and I don't dislike Justin Barsha. Right. I know I, I know I rag on him a lot, um, but I, I actually do. I think he's a good rider. He's got a lot of talent. His personality is one of the most likable in the entire sport. So I'm not, I don't root against Justin Barsha by any stretch. But if you were to ask me if he still has a shot at this championship, the answer has been no for a couple of weeks. Right. Me. Um, so the the biggest jump, the biggest drop off that we have here is actually between fifth and sixth, and that is Ciancio Rulo and Jason Anderson. There is a ten point drop off between fifth and sixth. So realistically, still at last week there was arguable that all the way to sixth was within striking distance. This week it it separated out a little bit more than it was last week because Anderson still continues to mail in his performances on a weekly basis. Exactly. So. Again, if you were to do an inversion of fifth and first, where Tomac finishes in in fifth and Ciancerulo gets his first win next week, it'll even more open this up. Do you still think uh, Ciancerulo ends up pulling one off before the end of the year? I still think so. I think eventually he's going to get one. Uh, he's he's riding so so. That's someone else we haven't really talked about too much yet. I am really impressed with his speed, with his technic his ability to be a technical rider when he's focused. Um, when he gets out front, he seems to do better. Um, he cannot finish races. This is three, four weeks in a row now that he's been fighting for either a win or a podium or something along those lines and then just completely thrown it away by the end of the race. Uh, he needs to learn to keep his composure and finish these races. Yep. Um, I do. I, I agree. I do think he gets at least one before the end of the season, probably just one. Um, one of those races where it just kind of clicks for him and everything comes together. But uh, he's somebody that I would love to see. He, I think he has a talent to throw a wrench in this thing. Yes. I don't think he has the experience yet. And we're not going to see that. For me, you're not going to see him make things that interesting until next year. I think if somebody in his camp gets in his ear and says, Hey, buddy, you can't win right now. You don't have the experience under your belt. 
instead of trying to win this week, instead of just trying to get out front and coast and coast to the finish line, which you're flat out not going to do because you've got better, more experienced riders behind you. If you play the long game, and instead of trying to get the whole shot and just coast out front, ride behind somebody and see what they're doing better than you and actually learn those lessons rather than just trying to say, I'm better than them. Well, he's got a chance. So that's the thing. He does have that mentality. He said that in every interview. Well, you know, it, it, it didn't feel great to get back there, but it was a great opportunity to learn riding behind those guys. He knows it. He's got to put it in practice, obviously. Right. He also showed it a little bit when Tomac passed him. Um, he started watching Tomac and having always gone outside inside on that sand section every single lap, the second he saw Tomac do it and how much faster it was, he said, oh, and he started doing it. Right. So he learned. It wasn't It wasn't in the sand section he went down. He went down in the whoops when he got sideways. So um, I think he knows he's got to learn. And riding behind his teammate, especially in Tomac, um, that's a pretty good guy to learn from. And I think he's shown the ability to adapt. It's just – he can't finish these races yet. Right. <laughs> so he's got to finish the race. Yeah, he's he's got to learn that patience and that was that was that's actually a really good example of why he needs to do that. He learned that lesson from Tomac and it allowed him to separate when he when he was behind Tomac, they were separated from third place by big big time. Yep. Um so learning that lesson from Tomac, what he needed to do in that situation right there, which is not what he did. He needed to be patient. And he needed to stay behind Tomac until he felt comfortable enough to say, not only do I know where he's faster than me, but I've learned where he's faster than me. And now I'm faster than him in those spots. Here's the thing. I, I agree mostly. Uh, he does need to learn patience. He also needs to be more mentally tough. We've talked about that, right? He gets past and suddenly it gets in his head. Yeah. There also is a little bit of the only way to stay with Tomac yesterday was to be as fast as Tomac. Tomac was already gapping him before he went down. He wasn't, by the time he went down, he was not that close no, to Tomac No, it was like anymore. a three second it a, difference. It was a good, and it was getting bigger. And I think in his head, it's, if I'm going to stay with this guy, I have to push. Right, but so, that's, a, that's a patience issue. He, he's got to realize that I can't, if, if I just flat out can't make the push, then I shouldn't make the push. So I guess I'm saying, like, which which is it, though? Like, does he need to hang with Tomac so that he can learn, or does he need to just ease off and be more patient? Well, if you're, if you're falling back to a three-second, you can still see the man in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, on a track like that, it's getting pretty... I mean, three seconds is getting to where you're probably not in the same straight. Almost. That, fair. Fair. But, I mean, even if you can see him in the next sure. straight. You can see sure. the lines that he's taking in the next turn. Um so at that point, you settle in. Yeah. You got to settle in. And that's what he has not learned to do. I do agree with that. 100% has not learned to settle in. And that's why he can't finish races. And then even if it seems like he's settling in, something happens, right? Right. Uh, he'll, he'll get a pass. I'm going to flash a tire. Or he'll just make a, a simple mistake that he could normally recover from and it gets in his head. He gets unsettled and... That's it for him. So right. uh, still a ton of potential for this guy. I think we're going to be talking about him in championship races for years. Yep, I agree. Um, he's just definitely not there yet. Not quite. 
I I still think he's going to steal one this year though. Yeah, I I he's got it in him right. for sure. He's going to there's going to be a track that just suits him perfectly and um and he's he's going to win probably that be race. one of those really, you know, especially when the the, the stars will align, right? Like Tomac gets buried in the pack and you know, he starts up there with Webb and Roxon and Webb and Roxon are fighting each other and he just is kind of coasts to the wind. You know, it's going to be something along those lines right. where I think he's able to do it because if he gets no pressure on him um it's nothing that kind of unsettles him. I have no doubt he's got the ability to take, take, uh, coast to a win, for sure. Agreed. He just needs to have that mental fortitude. Agreed. Uh, let's talk about predictions from last week. Let's do it. Uh, first, for this uh, for this year for us, we both nailed who was on the podium, and you, sir, last week absolutely nailed all three spots on the podium minority report your <laughs> your predictions were tomac webb and roxon and that is exactly how they finished uh, i'm definitely glad i switched tomac into first so i nailed tomac but i had roxon in second webb in third so i still got the podiums uh people yep did not get the position so you had me this week by a little bit we didn't do the 250 predictions because we hadn't seen them yet so it was just the 450s but I mean, I think at this point, how are you? We said it last week. How are you not just picking those three to be on the podium each Seriously. week? You know, uh, eventually, I think Cian Rulo is going to make our predictions look bad. Barsha might be able to, you know, kind of steal one and bag it. You know, kind of did it last week. So, but for the most part, the smart move is to just pick this these three and just which order they're going to be. We got triple crown next week, right? In Arlington. Yeah, we do. Uh oh. Well, that. Uh oh. That absolutely has an influence on my predictions. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and write my predictions down. And and we're just doing the overall for the night, right? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's the best. I'm not going to sit here and try to predict three different races. No, that's be awful. <laughs> it just sounds not fun. Um, so those are my 450s. 250s is still a little bit tough, but, I mean, we're going to do it anyway. Um and then, uh, yeah. All right. I got my predictions written down. I'm not changing them this time. I'm sticking to them. Okay. What do you got? Start with 250s. 250s first. All right. I'm going to go Hampshire. Okay. McElrath. Okay. Sexton. <laughs> Man, it's almost like we do this together every single week. <laughs> so I had McElrath, Hampshire, Sexton. Nice. So almost the same. Swap the first two. I could absolutely see Hampshire winning, um, but I am not going to go against McElrath when he, the way he raced last night until he shows me that he's not that much better than everybody or if somebody else shows me, um, probably sticking with him in first. But Hampshire definitely should podium next week if he rides like he did last night. Get that start, man. And it was tough. I thought about putting Jeremy Martin in there, but I think he probably has a few races to go before he's back into full race form and starts getting his his consistent podiums. Agreed. Uh, 450s, what do you got? 450s. <laughs> I'm gonna go fun on this one. Oh, here we go. Good, sweet. I get a I get a prediction win next week. Okay. <laughs> I did not go fun. All right, I'm gonna go Ciancio Rulo. Ooh, he gets his first win first in a win. triple crown, huh? First win in a triple crown. Barsha. <laughs> okay. Cooper Webb. This is an inversion of the top five. Okay, so here's uh, the biggest reason why that is a terrible prediction for number one. 
we just spent a good 10 minutes talking about how Cianciarulo can't finish a race. Yep. To win, he's going to have to finish three. <laughs> three shorter races. Sure. Uh, I don't think I don't think the length of the races is the issue though. I, I do. I think I, I think, think sprint. It's I think getting Ross, in his head. Fair, but I think raw sprint speed for Cianciarulo is actually going to play in his favor. I, sure. I, I also think, and this may be like a pipe dream as well, but I think raw sprint speed also works in Barsha and Webb's favor as well. Those three right there beneath Eli Tomac and Ken Roxon. Look, Webb's in really good shape. He is not in Roxon and Tomac shape. Right. Nobody in this field is in Roxon and Tomac shape. And that's why those two are favorites week in and week out is because they can finish within like the 95th percentile of their start speeds at the end of a race. Yeah. And nobody else does that. So I think you're onto something with the sprint speed, but I also think you have to factor in Yes, they're shorter races, but there's three of them now that they have right. to power through. Uh, I think by the end of that third race, endurance is absolutely going to play a factor. Um, so, and we'll see. We could both be completely off here. And I, I think I can see Cianciarulo getting on the podium next week with three just really solid sprints. I don't see him winning because I just don't have faith in him to finish a race without right. pressure. Uh, my predictions are... Uh, I was going to go Tomac again because I feel like he's got that momentum, but it's a triple crown. And Roxon has already shown that he can just dominate in a triple crown environment. And I think it's very suited to him with his speed, but also endurance. Um, so I have Roxon, Tomac, Webb. I, I stuck with the same three. Not getting fancy this time. I think it's still going to be those three. And if it finishes like that, then it's back to a one point. Yep. championships between one and two. Tomac could keep the number plate in that case. Um, so I think that'd be fun. I can absolutely see Tomac winning this too. Um, just for the same reasons. He's got the endurance and he's got the overall speed to win the sprints. Right. So um, I just, I can't go against Roxanne in a triple crown until he loses a race in a triple crown, which yeah. he hasn't done yet. So, well, I, I know in triple crowns, the reason I don't want to put Tomac up on top is because Tomac has been getting really good starts for the past few weeks. And it's just a matter of time until he doesn't get a good start. <laughs> and um, he's got to do three of them. And he's got to right? do three of them. So exactly. I, I can, I can see that unless, unless these good starts haven't been a fluke and then he has actually figured something out. Cause if he has actually figured something out, watch out, watch out. Right. Yeah, I think that pretty much does it, man. Um, we're gonna say I like it. You just inverted the standings. You're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna laugh when you are like I'm gonna laugh if Webb doesn't even finish on the podium, which hurts me a little bit too. And then like you get like Baggett and Anderson. And, That's what I'm and, thinking. <laughs> I'm looking. I'm now looking. I'm looking. I'm looking at the point standings all the way down to ten, and I'm like Baggett number one, Justin Hill number two, and Justin Brayton number three. <laughs> Actually, Brayton, I would keep an eye on how Brayton finishes in a triple crown because I feel like his biggest thing has been, you know, staying up front for the majority of a race, too. Yep. Shorter races probably favor him, too. He can yeah. probably pull off a solid top five, at least. Yeah, Justin Brayton, he... People have been really high on Justin Brayton. I don't want to get into him too much because we're getting towards the end here. But um, he is definitely one guy who, again, if the track suits him... He could steal one. I could see it. 
um, if he can last the entire race, which right. I think is he's he's got, had a tendency to get shuffled back. He'll have these great starts. He'll run with everybody, and then right at like the five minute left mark, he starts to really starts get shuffled fade. back and yep. fades. So a triple crown could really favor him. He this could be one where he maybe he steals like a, a one of the motos, you know. So um, we'll we'll absolutely see. Those are our predictions. Make sure you guys are jumping onto the website, sharing with all your friends. As always, your report your support is. Really appreciated. Jug Club. Jug Club. Jug, Jug Club. Club. The the early adopters ends in May. We are actually we haven't even really had the conversation about it yet, but we're we have in passing mentioned doing a um a giveaway for our Jug Club members only. Yes. Especially for you early adopters who get the early adopter benefits. Right. So so we'll do let we're maybe do like a, a giveaway on June 1st or something like that. Right. If you're a part of the jug club by June 1st, you get to be, you know, a part of the giveaway. Yeah. And we'll, so, we'll start thinking about what we're going to give away. Yeah. We're going to be yeah. something good. It's so, not going to be a bike. It's not going to be a bike yet, but that's something that I want to get to. We'll I want to start, I want to we'll start giving there. away dirt bikes. Right. We'll get there. Be, we'll get there. Um, with your, with your guys help, <laughs> we will give you dirt bikes. Right. <laughs> we need your help, but we'll definitely get you there. Hell yeah. Um, so that's it. So website, power2theground.com. Um, jump on Jug Club. Jump on Facebook and vote in on those uh, those taglines. Yeah, so vote for help us vote for taglines slash slogans. Vote for whether or not when Jesse puts the poll up, you think Barsha is even remotely in the championship race. We love your participation. We've been getting some great messages from you guys, uh, some great feedback. So we're going to keep you know implementing all of those things. So any ideas, suggestions, even if you just want to drop a line and say hi to us, uh, jump in the DMs, jump in the comment section. <laughs> slide uh, right slide in. Slide right into our DMs. You can tell us how awesome we are, how our voices soothe you to sleep at night. Um, I'd be okay with <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. We're going to talk to you next week. You got anything else, Jesse? No, man. All right. See you guys. Peace.